Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, after having some intense conversations, enjoying some fresh salad, and spending the night, our heroes are woken up to the sounds of battle on the platform leading to the teleportation circle that gets them back to the material plane. There are some zombies and some kobolds having a fight with Bernie's guardian, and they're all engaged in fighting each other, and there are enemies in the house. Ah! And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren, also known as Obo Crazy, and tonight is a special night. This episode won't actually go out until 2018, but as we record this, it is December 2017, and it is actually the last recording we will have of the <gasps> year. And so I have broken into the wine. So uh, Nathan and Carly, friends of the show, were here just a couple of days ago, and they gave Luke and I a very lovely bottle of wine. I got a Bethany 2012 Barbara. Ooh. That's right. I have a Barbara wine. It is a red. It is delicious. I love it so much. Thank you to Nathan and Carly once again for always coming through with excellent, excellent wine. Bernie, what are you drinking? I'm also drinking red wine. Hey! Cheers! Red wine buddies. Um, but if you notice, <laughs> all our wine glasses, all two of them are dirty. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm drinking my red wine, my Cabernet Sauvignon, which is really good, by the way, and goes very well with pizza. Red wine and pizza, you cannot go wrong. Uh, out of a martini glass, Steve and I have never made martinis, okay. but we have two martini glasses. <laughs> That's okay. There are plenty of things in my kitchen that I've never used. People give you gifts of stuff and then you just never use it. These are Steven's martini glasses, I think. Well, now you have to, I mean, everyone loves a martini. Well, most people love a martini. Carlton, what are you drinking and do you love a martini? I used to, but I am drinking a friend of the show, Jason Ram, brought me that weird mixed assortment of fancy sodas. And so I'm drinking uh, Fentiman's Botanically Brewed Rose Lemonade. It's fermented botanical drink with ginger and pure rose extracts. And I'm drinking it out of a Mondo Porg glass because I just saw episode eight. And that's all I will say. I will see it tomorrow. Thank you for not saying anything else because the number of times the last couple of days that someone has said, hey, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, and I've had to be like, no. There's no you but. Know. The only thing no you can say about Star Wars is that you saw Star Wars. But did you see the tweet where this girl's penguin ornament fell off her tree and the beak came off and it then looked like a Porg? Oh my God. No. But I want it now. That's not a spoiler. That's just cute. <laughs> Travancore is what you're drinking cute. Good people of Faerun, the problematically titled Lord of Glenmar's drink this evening is apple juice. Lord of Glenmar? Well, Lord is just too plain. It's a generic noble name, but I thought I would choose something in character that, but it's a bit plain. Yeah, no, I love it. It's not often you get to drink actual apple juice so i think that's wonderful and finally jonathan are you drinking apple juice i am not because i can't anymore uh this is jonathan i play jonathan the med muscular tonight it is another what is it 
Oh, it's a Koopa Libre in a Sonic glass. Yay. <laughs> Uh, it is Diet Coke and rum and some lime juice. And for my shot of fireball to be consumed at the very probable casting of fireball here in the near future, I am dedicating this to a friend of mine, a friend of most of us, but most especially a pet Canadian to one Bernice Q. Burns. Yes, it is for Stephen Nuggleman, <gasps> our friend. And uh, he is just a great, great, great pal. He's one of my best friends. I got to see him at PAX Unplugged along with Jules, and it was awesome. And this one is for you when I blow shit up, Stephen. Cheers. <laughs> Aww. Oh, keep saying good things about Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He is so dreamy. I like mm-hmm. Stephen. I could get this lost now, in those it's, eyes. He's no longer Dungeon Drunks. Stephen Drugs, our new talk show where we just talk about Stephen. No, sadly, Stephen is not here. Stephen uh, is probably in a safer place than you guys are, which is in I the so. formally safe place that is your pocket house. The little tiny house in a on a plane of existence created specifically for you that up until now had just been yours and the moderns and incredibly safe except this morning as you wake up as i said in my lovely little intro intruders have arrived now bernie has placed her shield guardian down in a guardian of faith yeah i had to look it up so i knew what it was because it's something it's a guardian i was gonna say when did we get a shield guardian in the party there's a guardian there's faith there's there's so many guardians that I can cast. It's hard You've to differentiate. You've got all the guardians and their shields, and and it's all faithy. So she has cast this, and it is currently engaged with some interlopers. There are two zombies that have appeared on the teleportation circle that it is currently very unhappy with, and they are fighting each other. There is also on the other side of your guardian and closer to you guys a couple of kobolds, which is disturbing because that means that not only did they make it into your house, but they made it past your guardian. And they, for when you first get to the door, are intently glaring at the zombies and this spectral, giant, crazy, insane guardian thing. But as you open the door, they all turn to glare at you. What do you do? Did they, I'm assuming that they took, that they, did we do a dexterity saving throw on the kobolds for the guardian faith damage? Because they take half or full 20 radiant. And you can see that all of the kobolds and the zombies have taken some damage. The kobolds seem to be in better shape, but obviously the guardian is doing radiant damage and the zombies don't like that. But at the moment, they're still standing. You get the sense you were alerted just as this has happened. And so it's it's been very little time. They've they've maybe only gone through a round or two. But, but you have a moment. The, the kobolds don't immediately attack they're glaring at you the ones up front have these giant shields and they've kind of raised them in your direction and you get the sense that they are worried about now fighting on two fronts but they haven't immediately attacked you the zombies are zombies and there are zombies but they're currently engaged with your giant guardian so you have a moment depending on what you would like to do what would you like to do watery sphere what okay all right. What? Watery sphere. No. You've never seen this spell before. It's a water what? ball. All right. Can we dedicate that one to my swim coach? Sure. <laughs> well, if Jonathan is casting watery sphere, then we will be rolling initiative. Uh, I'll let you get off the watery sphere first, but uh, let us commence with the rolling of initiative. I'm so excited. 
I took this spell specifically because one, it's a good spell. I just haven't had a. I haven't had a good chance to use it because I misinterpreted how it works. But now that we have D and D Beyond, you say now like we didn't have it before. <laughs> well, no. When I took the spell, we actually didn't have it. This is in uh, Temple Ooh. of Elemental Evil spell, and I oh, have that PDF because it's okay. like a free player's guide. But yeah, I just it it wasn't part of my normal suite of tools. But now it is. Okay. First, Jonathan gets off his watery sphere, which activates all of our initiatives. So, Jonathan, watery sphere us. All right. It is a nice conjuration range of 90 feet. It creates a five-foot radius sphere. So this 15-foot-wide ball of water will appear. Uh, it lasts for a minute. It's a concentration spell. I conjure water sphere with a five-foot radius at a point that you can see within range. The sphere can hover, but no more than 10 feet off the ground. The sphere remains for the spell's duration. Any creature in the sphere space must make a strength saving throw. On a successful save, the creature is ejected from that space to the nearest unoccupied space of the creature's choice outside the sphere. A huge or larger creature succeeds on the saving throw automatically, and a large or smaller creature can choose to fail it. On a failed save, a creature is restrained by the sphere and is engulfed by the water. At the end of each of its turns, a restrained target can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect on a success. <gasps> the sphere can restrain as many as four medium or smaller creatures or one large creature. If a sphere restrains a creature, causing it to exceed that, this capacity, the, a random creature that was already restrained by the sphere falls out of it and lands prone in the space five feet of it. Uh, as an action, I can move the sphere up to 30 feet in a straight line. If it moves over a pit, cliff, or other drop-off, this is going to be important. Uh, it safely descends until it's hovering 10 feet above the ground. Any re creature restrained by the sphere moves with it. You can ram the sphere into creatures, forcing them to make the saving throw. When the spell ends, the sphere falls to the ground, extinguishes all normal flames within 30 feet of it. Any creature restrained by the sphere is not prone in the space where it falls. The water then vanishes. Ta-da. Yeah. All right. There's a lot going on. So you are, are you creating this thing in a space or are you thrusting it forward into spaces? Uh, I'm creating it in a space and I want to look at the way the creatures are arranged. I want to try and get the most, the most kobolds in it. Okay. So there are four kobolds in front of you that you can see. The walkway that you are on is only 10 feet wide. You, you are very familiar with this walkway. The, the, the scary thing about the walkway is it has no railing or handrails or anything. It's just 10 feet wide stone. So about 20 feet away from you, there are two kobolds. One of them is holding a shield and has turned towards you. The other one just seems to be in, in tattered leathers. Um, all of them have broken, very, very bad leathery wings. You don't think that any of these kobolds can actually fly, but you think they might be able to glide a little bit. But it is just there in these leathers. And then there are two more in front of those. So 20 feet away and then 25 feet away, there's two more with big shields that are still focused on the guardian that Bernie has created. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to try. And so if I can get all of the kobolds that are in the on the walkway, then I will. If I can just get the two that are like closest to us, I'll do that. But I just want to try and get as many of them as possible. I think you can get all of them. What's the range on water? What's the range on the casting of it? 90 feet. 
Okay, so yeah, you can get all of them. You said it's a strength saving throw? Yes, uh, I am trying to envelop them all. Well, the one in the leathers rolls a natural 20. Now, his strength is a negative two, so that's still an 18. That still that still saves, but we're gonna about to have a very interesting effect here. Well, so let me let me do the rest. So that was the that was the the guy in just the leathers. Uh, the three with the shields. Do, do, do. Their strength is actually a plus one. We got a sixteen, a ten, and a nineteen. So I think did, did the sixteen succeed? Uh the sixteen succeeds. Yes. Okay, so one of the shield bearers fails. Everybody else succeeds because I happen to roll really well. What happens? Okay, so the one that fails gets restrained. So he's like, whoop, and floating in the sphere of water. Okay. I don't think he, he's engulfed by the water, but I don't know that he's going to be, because it's only a minute duration. So I don't think we have to worry about like con saves or anything for well, holding Well, you don't, breath. but I do. I'll worry about that. But yes, he is currently underwater. The ones that, that save... They are ejected from the space to the nearest unoccupied space of the creature's choice outside the sphere. So I guess we can, what that would happen is they get roiled up in it, but they manage to swim to a, to a space to escape it. Okay. So the two that were closest to you are now five feet closer as they move out of the sphere. So it's one with the shield and one with the, um, the one just in leathers. The other one with the shield that was further away from you manages to swim out the opposite side. And they, they land spluttering and, <coughs> but they are safe. And I say, are you here to fight us? Or are you fighting them? And that's all I do. <laughs> all right. Well, it's a little late for that. <laughs> Considering... <laughs> well, so what I mean, all they're, they are is restrained, like they're not damaged or anything like that yet. Yes, nothing like being thrown into a sphere of water where you can't breathe to be like, ah, I haven't actually damaged you yet. Travancore. Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> Travancore, you get to go kind of first. Oh, this is fun. Okay, so to be clear, there's one guy in the watery blue box of death. Yes. In the watery sphere, yes. So we don't have to worry about him, right? Because he's just sitting there. He can't do anything. He is restrained. Yeah. So there's one next to the guy holding the shield in front. Travancore is going to try and use a sharpshooter shot. So basically how this works is I've mastered ranged weapons. And before I make an attack, I can choose to take a negative five to the attack roll. And if the attack hits, I add 10 to the damage. It's important that I do this now because I go before they do. So they get advantage on the roll. All right, who are you going after? Very, very nice. Yes, well that done. is a very smart move. I'm going after the regular guy, not the one with the shield. Okay, the guy who's just in the leathers who's closest to you? Now, because of the dot you chose in my head, his leathers are kind of this purpley color. But, sure, they are. They are right now. So the high roll is 22. Yes, that definitely hits. Roll damage. <laughs> so that's going to be 1d6 plus 8. 18. Take his head oh. off. And I rolled max damage, so that's 24. What? Yeah, he looks... This arrow sings in very close to his heart, and just as he swam out of this watery sphere and landed on the ground and going... <coughs> and then... <coughs> and he's still standing, but he's clutching at this wound and looks super hurt. And it is Shadow's turn, because he's right after you. What would you like him to do? I think Shadow is going to finish this guy off. He's going to run right up to okay. him. Okay. And he's going to bite this fellow. 20 to hit. 
That hits. Nice. So that's going to do eight damage. Yeah, so your arrow practically kills him, and then Shadow bites down into his side, and then, forgetting the physics of this place, Shadow mauls this guy and then throws him over the edge. And the body starts to fall, and in about a minute, you know you're going to see this body falling from the sky and coming back down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, while you say that, hey, Jules, what did I text you last week that I wanted to do? Well, Shadow just did it. Well, Shadow did it unintentionally, though. Just in the process of mauling this kobold, he throws it over the edge and then turns back to the other one, blood in his maw. He goes, but then a minute later, this body goes flying past him and he gives it this startled look. And then he looks really chagrined as he remembers what's going on. So about that. So water sphere, if you put it over an edge, descends until it hits the ground. I was going to, if I had gotten all of them, I would have just, next turn, I would have shoved the sphere off the, off the side and they would have <laughs> slowly the descended. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, except they would have been alive and then the spell right. would have ended and then they would have kept falling. <laughs> I guess Travancore could have used their falling as like weirdo art moving target archery practice. Yeah. Like shot put practice. Pull. Well, now you have at least one of them falling. It's Bucks's turn. What would he like to do? Yeah, but you'll miss. If you miss and it comes back around, it's going to hit you in the ass. Bucks is going to fly, and he is going to try and follow the uh, falling kobold, and he's going to try and nudge it to where eventually it'll hit the ground. And by the ground, you mean the 10-foot platform? The 10-foot platform, yeah. So wait, he, is he going to like wait till it picks up enough speed that the velocity would just kill it? Or? Oh, it's dead. It's already dead. Oh, it's, already dead. Oh, it's dead. dead. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that. No, he just doesn't want a corpse falling through our home. Forever and ever. Forever. So he is going tr- to play corpse cleanup, and he all he doesn't have to nut it much. He just has to like kind of grab it and just like push it, and eventually it'll, it'll get to... That's what Bucks is going to do for the rest of this. I will say that he is fast enough and that he noticed what Shadow was doing quick enough that he was able to fly and get to the body in time. So he won't have to dash and move and use all of his movement to get to the body. But I do need Bucks to make a strength check. Oh my. He is a like, Spoiler owl. alert. His strength is not great. Well, he is a tiny little owl trying to move a kobold. Oh dear. He rolled a five, but he gets negative four to strength. So he rolled a one. So Bucks dives after this body. And as far as he can see, the sky just goes on forever. So there's not a moment when there's an event horizon. To his point of view, as he's following this body, eventually he'll just see you guys again and then see you guys again. But he reaches the body and he puts his little claws up against its side and starts to push as hard as he can to try to nudge it into the correct trajectory. And there's no moving this body. It's heavy. It's big. It's falling really fast. So keeping up with it is hard. I get images of effort. Yeah, lots of images of within 100 feet they come. So they come and they come and they come. And then there's this weird moment where it's gone. And then they come again and they come again. But that hasn't happened yet. Uh, While Bucks is trying to move this body, Carlton, it's your turn. All right. So these leathery wings, are they like actual wing wings or are they like contraptions? No, they're wings. They just look like the best these kobolds could do is glide. They're not full-on flappy wings, especially the ones that are left have these gigantic tower shields that are almost as big as their bodies. So the one left doesn't have wings? All three of these that are left have shields, 
and wings. But you think the best these kobolds could do is glide. No flying, especially with these shields. Okay, I'm going to do some things. I'm running up to this this uh, kobold with his shield who's tromping on my goddamn zucchinis. You see zucchini juice on his clawed foot. Right, and I uh, yell, my zucchinis! And I rage. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to aim for his wings, and I'm going to cut his wings off. All right. Uh, 15 to hit. That just barely hits. He raises his shield, and you manage at the very last second to get out of the way of the shield and go for his wing. Cool. That's going to be 14 slashing and necrotic. Do I look like I've crippled his wings? Yeah, you take a big chunk out of his right wing. You haven't taken it clean off, but this is no longer a functional wing, and it howls in pain. Good. Now I'm going to grab him and throw him over the edge. No, let's not. That would be a full action. So I'm going to say... All right, I'm going to blunt side, take my halberd. I'm going to bat him over the edge, non-lethally. All right. You want to try to do that? Then I need a strength check. Bernie Bernie goes, oh, Carlton, oh, the cleanup is going to be so hard. 21. Yeah, so you bat him. He manages to put his shield up in time, but you still knock him back. So he's going to get a saving throw to keep from falling over the edge as he tries to stop himself. So he drops his shield, but he does manage to claw onto the edge of the walkway before he can fall. All right, and and then I'll finish my movement right there. All right, anything else? Uh, No, I'm going to get ready to push him back over. He stepped on my zucchinis. Those Modras worked hard. So when you did that, you actually pushed him into some of the planters that are hanging on the side of this walkway. So two or three more zucchini have been destroyed. I just, it just it increases the rage. I figured. Oh, uh, but he is, he is now marked because I attacked him uh, as part of the new Ancestral Guardian features. Since I will do a refresher. When I choose the Spectral Warriors appear when I entered my rage. So I was surrounded by Spectral Wolves. And the first creature I hit with an attack on my turn is now the target of my warriors, which hinders its attacks. Until the start of my next turn, he has disadvantage on any attack roll that isn't against me. And uh, when he hits a creature other than me with an attack, that creature has resistance to the damage. So he is now marked as my spectral wolves are snarling at him for crushing my zucchini. All right. Jonathan, it's your turn. All right. So Jonathan the Mad Muscular is going to... Move the sphere to use his action to move his sphere to from here to here. So, whang. so define here to here. I, I he moves it from where it was uh, diagonally to try and engulf the guy who escaped just a second ago. All right. So you move it back and a little bit to the left. And what's the saving throw for this cobalt? Uh, strength save DC sixteen. No, no, he rolled like shit. He fails. Nope. He gets engulfed. Engulfed. Anything else? Uh, nope. And uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to move forward to be even with Carlton. All right. You make your way out the door, past Shadow, next to Carlton, and Bernie, it's your turn. Okay. Uh, Bernie is concerned. Oh, sorry about that, guys. I moved my chair and I crashed into everything I own. Um, so <laughs> everything, everything's, everything's a mess. Of- for those of you experiencing that tiny earthquake I just caused, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Gurney, Gurney, oh, fuck. Gurney, Gurney Gurns, who works in the hospital, um, is going. <laughs> <laughs> get it, get it. She's gonna do two things. She's gonna cast Guiding Bolt because she really, really, really wants to make sure this thing dies 
without getting kicked into the abyss because she's seen that cleanup's not going to be that easy on the uh, kobold that Carlton's been attacking. Sure. Which is... Oh, he'll, he'll be alive. He'll just no. be falling forever. No, Carlton. That is his That is his punishment for smashing my plants. As we worked hard. As she's Guiding Bolt, she, like, pinches the bridge of her nose, and she's like, Carlton, can you think of the smell? But we could talk no. to him while he's falling. <laughs> oh, it's gonna smell so bad. Spell attack is eight. I've never heard of a kobold dying of a heart attack. This could be very good for science. The Amber Crother Coppolis would love to have detailed notes on that. No, they would not. Does a 16 hit? Do they have medical journals in Faerun? A 16 does hit because this guy dropped his shield in order to claw his way back onto the passageway. So that does okay. hit. And it's going to be just a level one spell because I'm going to do other shit in a second. 10 damage. Okay. And then I'm also going to cast my spiritual weapon. Okay. Where would you like to put it? I would like to put it. can hover in the air, right? I believe so. Spiritual yeah. weapon hovers. Yeah. It kind of flies. Somebody's going to be like, that's not how that works. I'm going to be like, too bad. No, I think that's in the spell. Because I remember you cast it when we were in the fight with the rot demon. And we double checked then because you were able to hover it. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's in the spell. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, it's going to be in flanking with this same cobalt and Carlton. And what does it look like? And it is a uh, garden rake with wings. <laughs> okay. Because it's flying. I'm just... But but why a garden rake, though? Because it's the garden. We're in a garden. Because if you've got a snake in the garden with you, and all you have is your... Actually, no. Let's make it a trowel, like, for digging. Like a little trowel, like your, your grandma okay. has. So you can just, like, poke it. And we are going to do a melee spell attack with against the creature. And because it's in flanking, he gets to do advantage. And yes, I triple checked and looked it up. It does specifically say it is a floating spectral weapon. So I think what we rule is that floating means it flies. So a 13. 13 against that guy hits because he dropped his shield. <gasps> Ooh. Because he dropped his shield. Bless Bay. <laughs> because he is trying to keep a hold of what he thinks is the ground before he falls into the abyss. Your spell, My spellcasting ability modifier is my wisdom. So it's a 5. 1d8 plus 5 is 10 more damage on this fool. All right. Yeah, he dies. It comes down on top of this guy's head. And Carlton, as you're getting ready to smack him off the side of this thing, you see the light die in its eyes and it falls. And you now have two kobold bodies flying through space. No, that's not what I intended. What did you think was going to happen? I was hoping it would slump forward. It was literally it was hanging, hanging onto the, the side. side. It had used its oh, dexterity saving throw. I needed to pay better attention. I'm like, I'm going to, I want to see how this goes. That's, <laughs> that's a bold play cut. <laughs> Let's see how it works out. Well, it didn't work out how I intended, but Cobalt's also dead. These two fallen Cobalts in the pocket dimension of our house are going on a new story arc on our show. <laughs> or the smelly arc. We'll see how oh. long you let them stay. All right. The two that are in the watery sphere, what do they have to do to escape? They have to make a strength saving throw. All right. The closest one to you, I don't think an 11 works. And the other rolls a natural one. So they are still restrained. 
Just as a reminder, there's a restrained condition. A restrained creature becomes zero and doesn't benefit from any bonus to its speed. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage, and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. So it st can still attack you <clears throat> if you run by it. Uh, the but creature has disadvantage. disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. You see bubbles rise from their mouths as they attempt to swim out using their wings, but they fail miserably. So the two zombies in the back, Bernie, they get damaged when they start their turn in your thing? Any creature hostile to you that moves into a space within 10 feet for the first time on a turn must exceed a dexterity saving throw. Takes 20 radiant damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful And then after one. that, what happens? The guardian vanishes when it's dealt a total of 60 damage. Okay, it hasn't dealt 60 damage yet. So let me make the dex save for the zombies. Nope. They take the 20. And your guardian goes away. She did One good. of the zombies dies and falls over, no longer animated. Yes. The other one takes the hit, but stands back up. And it is going to start to shamble towards you guys. But it only moves 20 feet, so it's not going to get very far. And we're back up to the top of the round. Travancore, it is your turn. All right. I see that zombie in the distance. I cast Hunter's Mark as my bonus action on the zombie. And we're going to hit him with plain Jane magic arrow. <laughs> a plain magic arrow. Will a 14 hit? The zombie? Absolutely. Sweet. All right. You've seen these zombies before. They don't have any armor. They don't have any weapons. They're pretty decrepit looking. They're, they're not very hard to hit. At the risk of immediate death, you could say these zombies are garden variety. Nope, 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 no, 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 no. The DM will remember that later. <laughs> 15 damage. <laughs> All right. These zombies are resistant to puns. Actually, given that we're fighting zombies in a garden, shouldn't we have some, like, actual, like, garden? I wish we had, like, a magical garden where the things came alive and fought the zombies. That would be... Like, like pea shooters, shooters and... Uh, yeah. yeah. Some, wa some walnuts. Some walnuts. And some potatoes. Yeah, potatoes. Some spud downs. All right, Travancore, your arrow sinks into its brain, and for a moment, it seems like it's going to recover, and then it dies. Sweet. Anything else? That's it. All right, it's Shadow's turn. Shadow is going to move up on the one kobold that is waterlogged, and this time, he's going to do a claw. A little claw action going on. And it is restrained, so you do get advantage. The high roll is 23. Oh, yeah. Sweet deal. All right, so it's going to be seven damage. Yeah, he's not looking good, but, I mean, he's looking panicked because he's currently drowning, but he is not dead yet. All right, Shadow's done. Okay, is Bucks going to continue to follow the body? Yes. And still try to push this thing over? He is a he is a committed owl. All right, go ahead and roll another strength check. Was it minus four? I think it was minus four. You would know. Yeah, uh, so nine. He pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes. No, not pushing this body. It's a small body, but he's tiny. He's a tiny owl. And it's moving really fast. I have an idea for once we get out of combat. How to fix this. I can fix this, guys. I can fix this. Bernie's like, you, you fucking better fix this, friend. Hey, I wasn't responsible for any of that, okay? That's true. We got a bear and a half orc that need to do some lassoing in a little bit. Uh, I seem to recall that uh, a small gnome put one of the dead ones over there. I was going to put a live one. 
Oh, and that would have been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> In my <what> universe. <laughs> <laughs> Who sent you? What's up? And you say that as though they could understand what you're asking in the time that they go by. But anyway, Carlton, it is your turn. <laughs> I nearly died. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that Carlton thing. And uh, I'm going to go after the one that's in the bubble. Uh, that is 25 to hit. Yep, that hits. Uh, for 15 damage, you don't need a split, right? Uh, not in this case, no. Okay, yeah, 15. Yeah, it's weird coming through this water because for a moment it slows down, but then it still connects really solidly and it is super hurt. You see blood color the blue of the he's water. Not, he's not floating upward by himself now? No, he's still alive. So he's still alive. Okay. Yeah, these guys seem to be made of slightly hardier stuff. Coming around for the second swing as my uh, wolves start to surround him. Uh, 19 to hit. That hits. All right, so 5, 10, 14 damage and he is marked. Well, he's dead. Now the blue of the water turns a deep red as the body, it doesn't float because it's still being restrained there until Jonathan lets the sphere go, but now it's stuck in this space, lifeless. All right, and then I'll use the rest of my movement to run up to the other backside of the sphere to uh, prepare to get this guy and interrogate. Okay, Jonathan, it's your turn. Uh, Jonathan the Muscular just had a just had a realization based on the positioning of everyone. I think these kobolds were running from the zombies, and they accidentally ended up here. But they still chose to run over my zucchinis and not follow the path. Um, is so that's a death sentence? Did you taste my salad? I, I'm asking. Yes. Is that is 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 it a? I'm just saying they they run into our home unannounced and they they destroyed our property. So okay, how I didn't kill um, the first one. I was just gonna throw them over the edge. Uh, uh, alive. Real quick. If someone wants to enter the pocket house, once it's been activated, all they have to do is step onto the teleportation thing, right? They don't have to say a word. Nope. They just step on the thing. And you would know this. And it would be proven by the fact that there are zombies and kobolds in your house. Right. I think these guys are running from the zombies. And uh, so Jonathan the Magimuscular is, gonna, is going to move onto the other side of the restrained kobold. So... It's still on the path, but like 10 feet away from Carlton. And and he is going to ask in Draconic, what's your name? And that's it. Are you leaving the watery sphere there? Yes. Okay. Oh, wait, he can't talk. Right. Bernie, it's your turn. Why didn't you just move the watery sphere so only his head was poking out? He could try to do something like that, but it would take some rolls. <laughs> but Bernie, if you'd like to say that to him right now, um... uh, you could say that to him and it would be perfect timing. Bernie wants to move up next to the kobold, and she wants to bring her spiritual weapon with her. Okay. Can it go in there? I mean, it could go in there, right? Yeah, but it would have to make the saving throw. Oh. But it's not a creature, is it? No, but I would say in this case, because it's something that has a movement and an attack, I would say it'd be like any of you, it would take the same effect. And Bernie, I would say you would know, or at least intuit this, being another magic user. So if you put the spiritual weapon in the sphere, it's going to have to make a strength saving throw. And if it failed, it'd be restrained. And if it succeeded, it'd be... I have no clue what strength level my spiritual weapon yeah, has. Yeah, it doesn't have a strength score. That's the thing. I know. That'd be interesting to figure out, wouldn't it? 
But yeah, either it's going to go in and it's going to fail and get restrained or it's going to succeed and get shoved back out again. And I don't know if either of those are things you want. Can it travel? Can it travel on top of the sphere? Like, can it go around? How big is the sphere? How it's big a, up is the sphere? Essentially, 15 foot diameter sphere. So like right now, it's probably like ground level going up 15 feet and then like coming down. So I could, I, I like, like Obo was saying, I could probably lower it, but I haven't had that notion yet. Okay. So I'm going to move the 5, 10, 15, 20. I'm going to move the spiritual weapon so it's just behind Jonathan because that's all I can do. Anything else? Because you've moved and you've done a bonus action, but you still have your action. Bernie, before she does her action, she's going to look at Jonathan. She's going to say, what do you, what do you want to get out of this guy? I just don't want to kill him. I mean, if not, not if if this was an accident, I don't think he should die for it. This, I would normally agree with you. I don't think he should die for cucumbers, but this is our home. I understand that, which is why I didn't make too much of a fuss. But now that we're thinking about it, now that we're things have kind of calmed down, I mean, I would be. I under, I totally understand because opsec is totally a thing. And the less people that know about this, the better. So let's, if you guys, I, I won't stop you if you guys want to finish him off. I would protest, but I won't take any actions that would, that would like block you actively. If you'd like, I can, I can free him up a little bit for questioning. I mean, it's good to question him because I feel like we might want to know a little more about some of the things that Vang told us. But what... If we let him go, he goes back to whoever controls him, and they come looking for us. You know this doesn't end, and there's no happy ending here, Jonathan. I understand that. He I dies. Am, I am not pleased by this at all. Uh, our carelessness has will probably claim the lives of all four of these guys, and that's on us. But I do agree that that the safety of this place also needs to be protected. So that's the way more conversation than you would normally be able to get in a turn. Right. I'll let it go because it was really good RP. But at this point, Bernie, I need you to decide what you're going to do with your action. Question him. And then if you want, I'll kill him. Okay. He can move the... Bernie's going to politely suggest that he moves the bubble so that his head's popping out. And you're not going to do anything else? Not going to do anything else. All right. It is the kobold's turn. He, not knowing anything about what's going on except that he's drowning, is going to try to succeed on this strength saving throw and is going to roll a one. Wow. Poor guy. You see this kobold struggling to try to swim. It's let go of its shield. It's trying to use its wings. But as you come up around it, you end up blocking off one of the spaces it can move into and it has to change course at the last second. And yeah, you see bubbles. So it flails around like it's failed a flip turn real bad and has to do a wall turn instead, basically. Oh, yeah. Yep. If this is the Olympics, he would have been disqualified a long time ago. <laughs> Travancore, it's your turn. I will say you have heard this discussion from where you are standing. So what would you like to do? Travancore, out of respect for his friend, Jonathan the Magimuscular, sits down and ends his turn. Okay. And Shadow? Shadow, following Travancore's lead, walks back towards Travancore. He senses the danger is over. This thing's restrained. He sits down, nuzzles Travancore, and ends his turn. 
All right. The two of you sit in front of the doorway, kind of posted up like relaxed guards, Shadow licking the last of the blood from his muzzle, and you two watch and wait. And it's Bucks' turn. Will Bucks continue to try to push the body? As uh, as you hear a an efforted hoot try and, and push this body again. Go ahead and give me a strength check. Oh my god. This is awful. Oh, <laughs> God fucking damn it. I believe in you now, buddy. This is just insulting. He's a tiny um, pit. You literally going called to... him a pygmy owl. And you're like, yeah, he's going to be strong enough to push something that's like literally five bajillion times his size. He doesn't even have to. N- he doesn't have to push it. He just has to nudge it just a little because the he angular velocity. He just has to push it. He just has to nudge it just a little because the angular velocity, it'll start moving it eventually the way this works onto the thing. He just has to change its course just a little bit, and he Uh, hasn't been able to do that. I'm sitting there wondering if I could have shot the body or tied a rope around Shadow. (laughs) You're like kicking yourself. You're like, huh, yeah, Bucks looks like he could use some help right now. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Lesson learned. So, Bucks, no, you're absolutely right. He does not need to move an entire kobold worth of being. Yeah, they're small, but they're still a lot more than he is. But he has yet to roll anything nearly well enough. And the natural one, I think if I remember correctly, gives him a negative three. Oh. Negative three. Yep. Yep. So Bucks decides to try instead of pushing because he's not getting the strength of his wings. He's going to move to the opposite side of this body and pull. Oh, no. Because he can get a better no. grip that way. <laughs> but in the process of trying to move to the opposite side of the body, he loses his grip. And now he starts to tumble. He doesn't take any damage. But the next time they go by this round, Ooh. what you see is Ooh. this dead body of the Ooh. kobold go flying Ooh. by. And then about three seconds later, this owl just tumbling head over heels in the <laughs> air in a way that is very unbird-like. So all I'm feeling oh. is like Bernie and Jonathan are having this deep conversation about safety and home, <laughs> and there's an owl that goes by and all you hear is, and it's like five seconds later, and we're like, and Chuck just sitting there bemusedly pondering, oh, I wonder if somebody should something about bucks. Ah. Like, this is us. How are we alive? I have never been happier <laughs> that I've made this house for you in my life than right now. <laughs> Carlton, it's your turn. What would you like to do? All right, with an 18 perception, do I notice uh, Al oh, Buddy spinning yeah. out of control? You, with a one perception, <laughs> okay. you would notice Al Buddy <sighs> spinning out of control. Right. I grab my rope from my explorer's pack, I hand one end to Jonathan. And I say, hold this, and my ale, and I jump over the no, side to go after Bucks. No, what? No. Oh, shit. Okay, you jump over the side. Do, uh, do you have the presence? I'll be a kind DM as you're trying to do something awesome. Do you have the presence of mind to move the 25 feet towards where Bucks is before you jump yes. off? Yes. Okay. I'm not just immediately jumping over. I am running towards, I hand the rope over, I tie it around my waist, I hand it to Jonathan, I say, also, hold my beer. Uh, and then I run and I jump over towards Bucks. He doesn't, okay. he doesn't have any beer. What is the length of your rope? I have at least 50 feet. Okay. How much exactly do you have? Because this is going to become very important very quickly. All right. Then I only have 50. 
Jonathan, you have been handed the end of a rope, and oh, Carlton. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Carlton goes bungee jumping. Carlton, it is going to take your entire turn to fall. You're not going to catch up with Bucks and the body this turn. Yeah, that's fine. Jonathan, I need you to make a strength saving throw. Carlton, how heavy are you? Oh dear. Oh, I'm a fat fucker. Give me a poundage. Give, let me let me look at my uh, sheet here. If you were wondering, Bernie is 42 pounds, and I've always known that. I figured all of you would have a vague idea about your poundage. I am 310. Great. This is great. Between all of us, maybe we'll keep you from falling forever. Jonathan, what did you roll? A a soft 20. Nice. Okay, so I will say, because you rolled so well, that you do not immediately drop the rope as Carlton hands it to you, and jumps off to do a skydive. So Jonathan manages to stop Carlton just at the bottom of the rope, leaving him dangling under the stone bridge. And I'm like, I'm like, hold on. Yep. So like, as you hand it to me, I like wrapped it around my forearm. So I'm holding it kind of like this. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, and I try and force the water sphere down to where the cobalt's head is now just, just barely above above it. Can you move the watery sphere as a bonus action or is it an action? It is an action. Then uh, your action is to not drop Carlton. I'm going to say you can't move the watery sphere. Uh, Like Carlton handed you the end of a rope and it has taken you basically your entire turn to be like, oh god! And because you were able to do that, you didn't drop him. Hmm. Question. Can you cast hold person on something that's dead or no? So hold person is a mind effect. It won't actually freeze him in air. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I checked earlier. Yeah. Bernie, it's your turn. You watch as Carlton goes skydiving and Jonathan scrambles to use all of his muscular might to, to, to be there for Carlton. God damn it, Carlton. <laughs> Bernie's going to lean over the side and go, what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> I'm gonna catch out, buddy! Do you know the rule? Do you think I can heal if this? If I fall, I'll just come up top! Do you- what's gonna happen when you pick up speed on each fall and- and you just hit the ground and explode? I can't bring you back from exploding! Wait, hold on. I have an idea. Uh, and I let go of the can rope. We get the well, it's not As your turn. As a reaction, <gasps> I let go of the rope. It's not your turn. It's not your turn. Can I- Bernie has a plan. As usual, the healer's got to find a way to keep you all from dying. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, hey, bear, bear! You must weigh a lot. Get over here. You remember that time you fell and then you almost died? Remember how much that hurt? That's about to happen to your favorite idiot. So grab the rope. Shadow looks super distracted. Pondering the meaning of life and keep your friend from dying. Is is there anything else you would like to do? Because I need to keep track around, so Bernie. Anything else Bernie you'd like to gonna do besides? Grab, I guess she's going to like grab onto Jonathan's leg as a way of like, she's worried he's going to get pulled over the edge. Okay. So she's going to cling to him like a toddler clings to their father when he comes home from work. That definitely helps. Jonathan, you feel a little more stable now. And, and it's still uncomfortable to have to hold this rope because Carlton didn't really leave you time to like 
secure it. But with Bernie helping, you do feel, yes, she's small, but she's also wearing armor and she is not insignificant. Right. So I'm a full 50 pounds with the armor on. Uh, the cobalt in the watery sphere is going to continue to drown. Travancore, it's your turn. Okay, seeing what's happening and really regretting taking cardio instead of weightlifting, Travancore runs over to Jonathan the Magimuscular <laughs> and tries to give him some help to pull Carlton to safety. Okay, you're going to try to actually pull Carlton up? Yeah, whatever he's helping pull this rope. Okay, that's that's slightly different but very important. All right, uh, what would Shadow like to do? He's He is now standing at this um, this announcement from Bernie, and Travancore, as you move forward, he, he is super ready to be there to do whatever is necessary. Shadow, following Travancore's lead, and Bernie's yelling at him. Command. <laughs> it was a command. It was a command without a spell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shadow's going to try and help out, too, so the whole team is trying to help our tank buddy. Our okay. favorite idiot. So it's Bucks's turn. Here, let's do this first. It's Bucks's turn. Jonathan, would you like Bucks to continue to try to move this body? Uh, no, Bucks is, Bucks is rather, like, so he can just ride himself with his movement, right? Yeah, if he's not going to try to um, do anything with this body, he can spend his movement to basically unspin himself and stop if he wants to. So I'd say I'd say it's like he's prone at the moment. He could spend half his movement to right himself and then he'd still have the other half of his movement. Okay, yeah, he does that. So he's like, and he like, he kind of like, he like worms himself around and then he like spreads his wings. And since he's an owl, his wings are actually a lot bigger than proportionally than other birds. I learned yes. this. Thank you. That's why they're so quiet when they fly. Exactly. Oh, that it's was one an of the amazing reasons. video. Uh, thank you, Colin. Uh, and spreads his wings as far as far as they go, and he stops himself, and okay. then he hovers there for a moment, and then he remembers that there's other flying, falling things, and he's like, Ugh, and he flaps towards the door, away from everything that's falling. Okay. And I look at him, I'm like, I thought you were out of control! So he did this <laughs> he when shrugs. he was still... Yeah, he, still, he managed to do this when he and the body were still above you guys. So he doesn't quite make it to the door, but he definitely gets out of the way. He's over the 10-foot walkway, and he is now safely gliding on towards the door. Carlton, I'll say since you... I'll say that you see this since you're actively looking for a body in the owl. So you see Bucks do this, and now you see a body flying towards you. I'll give you a moment. What would you like to do? I guess I'll reach out for the body. Okay. I need you to make a strength saving throw. Can Bernie start praying as a reaction? Just like, <laughs> just praying. Uh, 16. Or actually, no, I'm ra uh, no, I didn't attack last round, so my rage is gone. <laughs> As Bernie prays for you, you reach out an arm to try to grab the body of this cobalt. This is the one that just has the leathers on. It didn't have the armor and the shield and everything. So uh, you do manage to catch it. You are suddenly covered in gore as this thing was was pretty pretty well destroyed before it was knocked over the edge. Uh, but you do manage to catch the body. Guys, pull me up! And fortunately, because Jonathan is getting a lot of help from people, uh, Jonathan doesn't have to make another strength saving throw. So, Jonathan, it is your turn. You feel a little more weight on the line. If you would like to try to pull Carlton up, you, I will give you advantage because you have a lot of people helping. How, how far away is this idiot? 50 feet. It's, well, okay, wait. 
He's t- he's tied it around himself. You're holding on to it. I would say 40 feet. Damn it. I was going to send the watery sphere after him. I mean, you still could. It's just not going to get there in this round. Uh, and, and there'll and be a kobold with it. That's fine. <laughs> um, that's actually how I was going to save Carlton. It's why I should have just let him fall. Because then I could have used the watery sphere as a trampoline. Or a, a safety net. <laughs> I mean, you could still do that. Yeah. Bye. I, gonna... <laughs> I let go. Ah! Okay, wait, wait, wait. Ah! Jonathan wait, looks... what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> okay. Bernie was oh, holding on to- are holding on to this, right? Yeah, Ber- well, Bernie was holding on to Jonathan. You said that you had, like, grabbed his leg. Travancore, did you and Shadow, what what exactly did you grab? I got in front of Jonathan and grabbed the rope. Okay, fine. I won't let go of the rope because I- Well, I, okay. no, I didn't know that, that he- I thought they were all holding on to me. Well- That'd and if that weird. was the case, then I would have just let go of the rope. But if Travancore is right there, I'm not going to be an asshole and then calls, cause Travancore to go, or would I? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what any of you fools would do anymore. <laughs> so both Travancore and so Shadow, having no opposable thumbs, I assumed had grabbed the rope. He like bit down on the rope. Travancore is really the only one that I could see grabbing either Jonathan or the rope. I was just basically giving you all advantage. I wasn't anticipating this, but hey, Jonathan, would you like to let go of the rope? No, because if it was just me holding on to it, then yes, but no. Uh, Fine. I am going to move the watery sphere down uh, so that the cobalt can like pop his head up. So you're talking about moving it down through the 10-foot walkway and then using the walkway to push the cobalt's head up? Yeah, I figure like it's this flowing sphere of water. Some of it is over the edge. So like if I pushed it down, the parts that are getting displaced would flow to the other side because it's about, it's staying a sphere. Give me, I'm going to require a couple checks. First, right. go ahead and roll a strength check with advantage since you're trying to pull Carlton up. But you have a lot of help. Uh, strength check? Yes. Uh, another soft 20. Okay. You managed to pull Carlton basically up to the edge. And then Carlton from here, you could pretty easily I grab just... on. Yeah. Okay. I need, Jonathan, you to make an arcana check. Uh, that is going to be 16. Okay. You move the watery sphere in the way that, that you talked about and the cobalt is still restrained so you do manage to move it down but you feel like you need to concentrate a little bit more on it in order to like basically the sphere moves down but the cobalt doesn't get pushed out because Mm -hmm. the sphere is still restraining this thing right but now it's it has moved down enough that you think that if you were to um, maybe concentrate fully on this thing or let it go, the kobold would be able to escape and breathe. But at the okay. moment, eh, it's still being bound by the water. And and as I'm doing this, I'm like I'm like doing Yoda moving the X wing, like kind of closing my eyes so I can like concentrate on the the flow of magic and keeping the shape of the magic intact. And I'm like. Okay, Bernie, uh, I can't talk to him, but maybe you can. Ah, oh, this, oh, this spell is awesome, but hard. Ah. Bernie, it's your turn. You think that this cobalt is close enough that you could probably grab it and yank it out if you had the strength. Uh, sure, why not? Let's make a strength check on that. Sure. She's going to let go of, of the leg 
of Jonathan. Yeah, Carlton is at this point uh, able to grab onto the side of the walkway. So and as you soon think as he's... he's up there, uh, Jonathan the Mad Muscular drops the rope and like two hand forces the thing to try and keep it in keep its shape because he's really he's concentrating hard. Okay, Bernie's gonna hiss over at her shoulder at Carlton. She's good. This is why we can't have nice things. As I'm like throwing the dead cobalt corpse up onto the top of the walkway. Yes. So you're gonna go yes. get the other one? No. Yeah. You need me to? No. No. Just Bernie. Well, okay. That's enough conversation Sorry. in this round. No, it's all right. I I like this conversation. I just want to make sure that it doesn't all happen at once. Bernie, what was your uh, strength check? Seventeen. Uh, Jonathan, what's the DC to escape the watery sphere? Uh, Sixty. Awesome. Bernie, you reach in with an angry, gauntleted hand, grab this armored kobold by the scruff of the neck and yank it out. Where would you like to put it? I guess on the ground. Well, <laughs> I love how you say I guess, but I did have to ask. All right. You plunk I thought it. I was just yanking its face out. Like, um, Yeah, you think so. But then because you are able to overcome the resistance of this sphere, you just yank it out and you can let it go basically in any of the squares next to you, which does include over the edge. So I guess I'm going to put it down on the square where it's like prone on its back and I'm going to get up on its chest. And okay. I'm, so it's sort of pinned down because I've got armor on. That's got to be heavy. And I'm going to like get on chest and say, hi, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Tell us all about you so I can get this over with. All right, and you're saying this in common? Yeah, I don't know. I don't speak draconic. <laughs> well, the cobalt that is now lying prone on the ground in front of you, it it's spluttering. It's let go of its shield. It's still, the shield is still floating in the watery sphere. And it's... <coughs> Can we get anyone to tra- translate? Now that we're done being idiots, let's make this happen. I can translate. Come on over here, Travancore. Say hello to our little friend. Jonathan, as you're helping Carlton finally get back on top of the the platform, Travancore, as you come on over, you hear the tail end of whatever this kobold is saying. Kind of the first couple of words were a little difficult to understand as it's coughing up water. And then you, you do hear it saying, you know, What? What? What is this place? What's going on? Fuck. 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 And we'll be out of initiative for the moment, as it's not in a position to fight back, so... For the moment. Well, Travancore, what did he say? He said, what is this place? You can tell him it's none of his concern. And I respond in Draconic, you are trespassing. Okay, are there zombies here? As long as there's no zombies here. I'll get out of here as soon as I can. I translate as he talks, so Bernie knows what he's saying. There's no zombies, but he's also not going to be getting out of here. At this point, as it, it's starting to, it's been on its knees, like coughing up water. And, no, no, and no, gathering. it's on its back. Well, okay, it was on I'm its back. Sitting and on then it. it's rolled over, it spit up some water, and now it's trying to stand up. Hold on, pump your brakes there, kid. Tell us where you're from. I translate what he says exactly as I can. And to punctuate what he, she says, I actually draw my bow and arrow and say, and add, stay put, maybe don't move. It does get to his feet, and then it sees the bow and arrow, and it kind of glares at the two of you and says, What do you want? Ask him where he came from. Ask him how, what, I mean, he was running from the zombies, but I want to know, I want to know if he works for that thing, or if he works for that dragon. 
Are you associated with the cave dragon? Mm, yeah, of course. It's my master. I tell Bernie what he says. But what does he know about that thing that had Ving? I ask. So one of your, your colleagues was captured by another faction that was down here. What do you know of them? Uh, the, the, the drow are fighting them right now. They're right outside. Oh. Alright. We can make a deal. If he helps us fight the drow, we'll let him go. I'm going to assume, I'm going to wait a moment and then Travancore, unless you tell me that you're going to say something slightly different, I'm going to assume you're just translating as we go. Yeah, I'm not censoring. Okay. I'm translating directly. Okay. Uh, so just interrupt me if you decide to change anything, but he'll he'll respond with, The fighting's going on right now, and there's way too much out there. There's drow, and there's zombies, and we were just backing away, and that's how we ended up here. If you want to go fight them, that's fine. I need to get back to my- I need to get back to my squad. Well, honey, you're not getting back anywhere if all the- there's too much going- You think you're just gonna escape all of them without our help? No, we were trying to fight them. There was just a bunch of us fighting, and then I backed up in the room, and then I ended up here, and then there were zombies, and then you were fighting us. I translate, and then ask- that means there's more? Lots more. There's tons more. There's many more. Okay. Uh, did anybody ever teach you how to count, friend? Did you, like, fingers and toes this thing out for us? Because tons is, like, legitimately a couple thousand. So, John, the the sphere probably, what, has, like, 30, uh, 24 seconds left? About. I'd say it's just about to die if you want to do one last thing with it. So... As soon as as soon as Jonathan the Magic Muscular hears that there's more stuff out there, he's like, "I only have a little bit more time with this. I'm gonna get out there and restrain what I can." And he and he's gonna rate. You would you would know at this point that you've maybe only got about a round, maybe ten seconds left. Ah, damn it! Okay, so he uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to move it this way back towards them, such that it catches the. The corpse that uh, that is still falling on this side. Okay, I'll say that's the last thing you can do before you lose the watery sphere. Is you can move it so that it <laughs> catches that corpse. And then, and then I reach in and toss the body behind me on the on the walkway so that it's not falling anymore. Okay, as you pull it out of the sphere and throw this body onto the ground, the watery sphere finally breaks and dissipates. Bernie, you and Travancore both notice that the kobold you've been speaking to, it's been wary and angry this whole time, but now as it watches this happen, it starts to growl, and it says, mm, Kill me or let me go, but do something. I've got to get back to my squad. Well, you can get back to your squad if you promise that you will help us fight the drow and the zombies, and we won't kill any more of you. I'm not going to promise anything, but we're fighting the drow and the zombies. Well, let's get... And Jonathan. And immediately after this, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is like striding and... Because John, Jonathan hates this whole situation, and so he is pissed. And he's like, come on, guys, let's go out and kill some stuff. And he's like walking... As he walks by the... Uh, Cobalt, is it still on the ground or is it standing up now? It had stood up, but it's being very careful about its movements. It totally understands from Travancore having his arrow out and everybody's tense posture that he's under guard and is being very cautious about what he does. As he passes, he is just, he is just, Jonathan is just angry at everything. So, but he looks at the Cobalt, he gives him like a martial pat on the back. It's like, and he says in Draconic, let's go, the Draconic idiom of let's go kill some shit. <laughs> Which would be, 
let's go kill some shit. I, 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 there might, like, if they use metaphor, he's like, by, by Tiamat's wings, end our enemies or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's what he wants to get across. Forceful, sure. let's go out there and kill something. And, uh, and, and he just, he does that for a brief second, but then continues walking. And like, if, if you notice, his hands are, are like glowing in blue flame. He is, he is angry at this whole situation. As Jonathan goes walking by, I'd like Travancore and Bernie to make insight checks. Hey, not too shabby for either of oh, us. Oh, drink! <laughs> 23, but that's natural 20, so imbibe. Nice, and Bernie? 17. All right. As Jonathan gives this kobold a hard pat on the back and says this in Draconic, it actually kind of makes sense it would work this way. Uh, Bernie, you don't understand what Jonathan said, but you hear the anger in his voice and a, a twinge of the regret. So while you don't know what was said, you do notice that the kobold seems conflicted. Like for a moment, it's glaring at Jonathan, and then it looks intrigued, and then it's upset again. Travancore, you notice that the glaring continues as it looks back over at the waterlogged corpse of its companion. You want to just push him off the edge of this thing and deal with him in a little while? Carlton's looking to go skydiving again. I think about it. I think about what Jonathan is doing. I think about operational security. I think about a lot of things, but what I say to this kobold is, go fight. I tell him to go. It gives you a very long, intrigued look, and then very slowly reaches down, grabs the shield that left lying on the ground, stands back up, and then very warily starts to move over towards the teleportation circle where Jonathan is standing. Does anybody try to stop it? <sighs> Brittany's gonna sign. She's like, all right, let's go kill some more shit. Once he's clear of the portal, I turn to Bernie and I say, look at it this way. We're gonna pick up the teleporter. All he knows is that there's this place here. He doesn't know what it is or where we are. And it'll be gone and move to a new place. So it might not be as bad as it looks. They turn on us and I'm going to kill all of them. All right, Jonathan, do you go through the teleportation circle first? Do you let the kobold go through first? What do you do? I I wait for I I I get there and I'm like I my shoulders are kind of slumped. I'm I'm like ready to go, but I look over my shoulder to make sure that the kobold is coming with me. So it approaches you and you've stopped. So it's going to cautiously move its way around you, giving you as much space as possible, and then it'll move onto the teleportation circle before you do. It obviously thinks you're letting it go, and so it's being wary as you guys try to leave. Yeah, as soon as it goes, then I go. Like, I want to I leave at around the same time it does. Okay. We're going to fight together, is, is JMM's. Sure. Bernie's not going to let him go because she doesn't want to have to bring him back from the dead in a moment, so she's okay. going with him. Okay, how about Travancore, Shadow, and Carlton? And just so I know for sure, Bucks is following you, right, Jonathan? I yeah, Bucks is going to follow me. And okay. I, as he's as we're going out, I'm I like grimly don't even look at Bucks. I'm like, be careful, buddy. And I walk through. All right, I toss the kobold to the Modrons. I'm like, clean it. I want its skull. Thank you. And then I go towards the teleportation circle. Well, for fuck's sake. Yeah, Shadow and I go through the teleportation circle as well. So you all head towards the teleportation circle and get to the other side pretty quickly, one right after another. You arrive back in that small room that you found Joster Tealeaf in. You'd set up the circle in the back corner of the room behind the crude barricade that he had set up. 
As you appear in the room, the air smells like ozone and death. There are bodies everywhere on the floor, mostly kobolds, a few zombies, and one that you think looks like a drow. Of the alive beings in the room, they are all kobolds, five more, and then there's also the one you came in with. Four of them have those big tower shields and the heavier armor, and one of them is in lighter leathers and seems to be in the middle of casting a spell. Uh, Jonathan, you actually recognize it's in the middle of casting fireball, but it's not facing you. All of them are facing the door. They're arranged in the doorway like a phalanx. And the one preparing to cast the fireball is about to shoot it out the door. And I need you all to roll perception checks. Natural 20! Yay! Bernie naturally failed. (laughs) Well, Bernie is so concerned with what's going on that she's not even really looking out the door. And Carlton, you're tall enough, you can just see over everybody. So a a natural 20 gets you Uh, what? 25. That makes sense. Bernie got a one plus five, which is a six, but yeah. Uh, Jonathan got, oh shit. Uh, So Jonathan got a 15. Bucks with another natural 20 gets a 23. Does he like perch on my shoulder? (laughs) A soft 20 for Travancore and a 14 for Shadow. Okay, so everyone sees this except for Bernie and Shadow, which kind of makes sense. They're the closest to the ground, and so it's really hard to see over everyone and all of the crap that's in the room. Looking out the door, the rest of you see a battlefield. There's a swarm of undead. You can see at least half a dozen, but there seems to be more. A couple of them seem to be coming towards the door, and more are moving across the way towards two kobolds out in the main room. They are the ones with the giant shields and they are back to back shields and spears at the ready. One facing towards the zombies. The other is facing towards the opposite direction. You can't quite see what it's fighting except for Carlton and Bucks. You two have the perfect angle to notice this kobold is actually facing a couple of drow outside of the door. You see three female drow in intricate armor covered in weapons, and they've set themselves up beside some rocks and are in the process of attacking the kobolds and the zombies at range. There is a ton of yelling going on. It's panicked craziness of a battlefield. And as you arrive, the kobold that had been weaving the spell finally releases its fireball. This thing flies out and impacts the group of zombies. And as the explosion happens, two of these zombies are instantly turned to ash. But four more of them stagger back to their feet. You can now see that there are four more behind those zombies. And maybe even more beyond that, as they continue to stagger their way towards your room, the kobolds, basically anything alive. The one that casts a spell turns around to see the bunch of you appear and immediately barks out in draconic, Intruders, we're being flanked! And everyone in the room turns towards you, spears out. And uh, as soon as that happens, I say in draconic, Hold! I am a friend of Vang Ash... Ash... Uh, Hunter... Ash Stalker. The enemy is out there. I'm here to help. So get out there and Fight! And uh, I want to I wanna toss a fireball over them, and I want to very obviously detonate it to include their two cobalt friends, but sculpt around them. 
Okay, before we get to the fireball, first, I'd like you to roll me a persuasion check. Hold on. Whoa. Damn it. Not good. Uh, seven. Okay, you say this, and the kobolds all in the room give you varying looks that pretty much convey, what the hell? And as you start to go through the motions of casting fireball, the kobold that came through with you from your pocket house body checks you. And I need you to roll a concentration check. Uh, as a warcaster, I have advantage. Uh, so that is a constitution check. 15. So he didn't do damage. He just elbowed you. But you do manage to keep your concentration. So go ahead and cast your fireball. So you're going to hit the four zombies and include the two kobolds, but sculpt around them, right? Yes. I, and I, if, there, if I can angle it to get more zombies that are coming in, I try and put the kobolds at the edge. Because, like, it's kobolds, zombies, and then whatever else. I want them to be at the closest corner of my of my area of effect. So okay. that when, this, when the flames uh, surround them but don't hurt them, I want that the most visible. And also to get more stuff than maybe just the four. But if, they, if I only get the four, then that's fine. All right. So let me... We're just going to do a normal fireball at third level. All right. Two of them failed. Two of them succeeded. So go ahead and roll damage. And then I need you to roll a performance check. Can Bernie aid him on this in any way, shape, or form with the performance? Oh, my fucking God. Maybe in a moment, but not just yet. All Give right, me a second. 24 damage. And then about to upend my fucking table here. What was your performance check? Five. Okay, you release this fireball. And the good news is that two of the four zombies are instantly incinerated. The other two, just for a moment, it looks like they might survive, but then they go down as well. You sculpt around the kobolds, but a ball of fire is a ball of fire. So while they remain completely unscathed, you try to leave this window in your ball to show what you're doing, but it's really difficult for this instant explosion. And as far as anyone who doesn't know what you can do, it looks like you got these two kobolds totally engulfed in flames. Bernie, you don't know what they say because you don't speak Draconic, but anyone who does speak Draconic hears several of the kobolds scream out, he's attacking now! And they're getting ready to attack. Bernie, I'll give you a moment. What do you do? Bernie was trying to give him an advantage. She was going to go, Well, you know what? Why don't we stop right there? And when we come back, we'll see whether you can convince these kobolds of your good intentions and see if you can avoid a fight with everybody here. Or, you know, maybe you can team up and fight just a few things. But let me give you experience. So for the zombies that you killed both here and back in your pocket house and the kobolds that you killed and that fun discussion about what you should do with these kobolds and a really interesting interrogation and a super fun time dealing with all the special issues of falling in your plane of existence, I'm going to give you a total of 1,800 experience to split between the four of you. And when we come back, we'll see if allies can be made and evil things can be killed if everyone can survive. Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com and see you next encounter. <laughs>